You are listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. We want everyone everywhere to have an everyday relationship with Jesus, and we hope that this helps you do just that. Everybody, uh, Anderson Campus, I know you were already clapping right there, but uh, on behalf of all of our 14 campuses and folks that are watching online, want to welcome you to the preach. Anderson Campus, could you help us welcome everybody? You just got a chance there to hear from one of our lead pastors, Michael Mulliken. Do you guys just love Michael? He is the very best. He is the very, very best. I love him too. And uh, something that we talked about this week in staff meeting that I just wanted to put in front of you because I thought it was incredible. Uh, Since January, we have seen over 8,000 first-time kids in Kids Spring, students in Fuse, and or Sunday morning people saying, hey, I'm here for the very first time. 8,000 folks getting connected to our church, and that's just the ones that let us know. So I just want to welcome you. If you're new to New Spring or you're getting to know us, we just want to welcome you. So can we welcome all those folks that are here for the first time? With that in mind, we are entering into, because it's October, hello, uh, can't believe it, but look around, there's flannels everywhere, all right? So you got pumpkin spice lattes at Starbucks and the pumpkin beer on the aisles at the grocery store. And uh, anyway, it's fall, y'all. That's on the front door mat. And in the fall of the year, if you've been around New Spring for any time, we, we really do, we align with something called the overflow offering and it helps us come together all across the state to really, again, bring the kingdom of God further faster. And so we'll be telling stories about what God's done in the past and how you can be involved. And we'll give you lots of information, but especially if you're new with us, welcome. So glad that you're here. We believe that the church, the activated church is the hope of the world. We believe that our communities are better where the church is healthy. We believe that our cities and our schools are better where the church is healthy. And we believe the Bible teaches and that God's heart is that if we're gonna reach and change this earth, he calls us to do it through the local church. So we're not gonna make any apology about being excited about what God's doing in and through the church. And we wanna invite you to come on with us. So this morning on all of our campuses, we're, we've got filled up connect classes. If you wanna be involved in what we're doing here at New Spring, you wanna be involved in serving, wanna be involved in community, if you want to do more than just come and fill a seat on a Sunday or tune in online, which is fine. If you want to do more than that, the way you get involved is jump into Connect. And we want to invite you into that. So that's just the front end stuff I wanted to say at the beginning of this service as we turn the corner for the fourth quarter of the year, more of that to come. But today we're jumping into week nine of Sermon on the Mount series. So open your Bible to Matthew chapter six. We'll be in verse 19 through the rest. And while you're getting your Bible out and your notes out, I just gotta let everybody know on every campus, I'm pumped to preach this one today, okay? This one has been cooking in me for three years. And I'm gonna share something with you today that has changed my perspective of so much. And I think it's gonna be really helpful to you starting tomorrow. I think it could change your Monday. And one of the things we wanna do on a Sunday morning is we wanna give you things that are eternally valuable, but immediately practical. Something that you can put in action in your life tomorrow, but it makes a difference forever, okay? Now, before we get there, I gotta tell you a story about my kid, okay? So I told you it's fall, it's pumpkin season. Our youngest at our house, he's three. Y'all are praying for him, I appreciate that. Some of y'all are fasting and praying for him. Thank you for doing that. Well, this last couple of days at our home, we have neighbors. Our neighbors just happen to be a pastor from New Spring Church, Riley Cummings and his wife. And, and our youngest kids, they hang out. And we couldn't find their son Cope and my son Gaines. We didn't know where they were. And then Uncle Riley found Gaines and Cope. And you know where they were, y'all? 
they were on the front porch of the Cummings house and they had their, their um, pretend um, hammers and their pretend screwdrivers and they were making pumpkin pie out of the pumpkins on the front doorstep of Riley and Tara's house. They were hitting them with their hammers they were putting their screwdrivers in them and we go in and I'm like, oh my gosh. So anyway, it's fall at our house, y'all pray for us. We've got pumpkin pie making three-year-olds that are having a blast and uh, we gotta go buy new pumpkins this week, okay? So uh, here's what I wanna do. Before we read the Sermon on the Mount, I want to give you a word. I need everybody to write this word down, okay? And I'm gonna tell you what this word is. This word is the word chiasm. Chiasm, C-H-I-A-S-M. I need everybody on every campus to say the word chiasm on three. One, two, three, chiasm. All right, I'm gonna teach you about it, all right? So before I'm writing my notes down, one of my spiritual heroes pastored years ago, his, his name's R.C. Sproul. He had a fantastic show called Renewing Your Mind and he'd teach with a chalkboard uh, and he was perfect in cursive. And anyway, the chalk breaks, I can't write in cursive. So we're using a whiteboard today here at New Spring Church. And I wanna teach you about chiasm because when it comes to the Sermon on the Mount, there's a chiasm in it. And what a chiasm is, okay, some of you guys already know this and you are like Bible nerd 101 or maybe you're into English, you're an English major, but chiasm is a form and a structure. In the way we storytell, in the way we do narrative in, in the Western tradition, in the Greek Roman tradition, is we tell stories and I love a good story. I grew up in the Appalachian Mountains of North Carolina. They're story people. And we tell stories like this. Here's the way we tell stories. We tell A, B, C, D, E, and when we get to E, E is the punchline, E is the big reveal, E is the point we're trying to make in the classic way we tell stories in the West. But this is not the way that they tell stories in the East. This is not the way that in the Jewish world people told stories. This is not the way that Jesus tells a story. They use something called a chiasm and they use a different structure altogether to show you what is the most valuable thing. They tell stories like this. In a chiasm, they go A, B, C, D, C, B, A. And where in the West, our big point is here at the E, in, in, in the East, their big point is in the middle right there at the D, okay? So they, they wrap it and they move to the middle, to the center, and, and it's the idea that X marks the spot. And you're like, okay, dude, what does that have to do with anything? Well, I'm about to show you. This is gonna change the way some of y'all read the Bible because the entire Bible is a big chiasm. All right, I'm gonna show it. In the beginning, God created what? Anderson Campus, not rhetorical. I need some response in this room. In the beginning, God created the? Heavens and the earth, okay. So in the beginning, God creates the whole world, the universe, the heavens and the earth. And it was void and formless. And then this is the story of the Bible up here. And what does God create in Genesis 1, 2, and 3? The first three chapters of the Bible is the story of what? God's creating what? Everything, yeah, he's, he's creating everything. Now, listen, I'm gonna draw, and this is an insecurity of mine. I'm not an artist up here, all right? And I need you guys, if this even remotely looks the part, I need you to cheer, all right? I need you to give me some, some thank you. I need some positive affirmation up here so that I don't feel so insecure. But in the beginning, there is, in the garden, there is a tree. 
right? Y'all know that? There's this tree. This is me drawing a tree. I'm drawing a tree at church today. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Y'all, okay, I'm so far so good. Okay, all right. And this is me putting leaves on the tree. Oh, it's amazing. Look at that tree. It's so, so lush. And there's, there might even be some fruit on the tree. We don't know what kind of fruit it is. Everybody thinks it was an apple. Never says apple. No, we don't know. There's fruit, there's tree. You know what else there is in the beginning in Genesis 1, 2, and 3? There's a river. There's a river that runs through it. It's amazing. Look at that river, y'all. Golly. I paid attention in art, okay? Paid attention. Okay, all right. You know what else there is in the beginning? There's God and there's man and woman. There's a tree. There's a river. There's a God garden. That is Genesis 1, 2, and 3. The whole story of the Bible, and you get to the last three chapters of the Bible in the book of Revelation, and do you know what's there? Blow your mind. Guys, there's a tree. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I need, I need more excitement than this. I need more excitement. Than, there's a, yes, there's a tree, there's a tree. And guys, you know what else there is? We sing, we sing old spirituals, hymns about this. There's a river, right, right there, there's a river. And you know what else there is? There's God and there's humanity, the last three chapters of the Bible as well. And it is a chiasm. Now, if we're using this structure in the, in the A and A are the same, you see, there's a garden, there's a man, there's a woman, there's a river, there's all kinds of things, but what, what are we pointing to? What are we pointing to in the story of the Bible? Is that the point? Is the garden the point? Absolutely not, because in the middle of the story of the Bible, way down here, there's an X that marks the spot. It's the cross and a resurrection. And in the middle of the story, working at it from both sides, we have this beautiful chiastic structure. Now, this is incredible, but you'll see this now because you're gonna go look for it. These two things mirror each other. Like one of the ones that's really super obvious is how many of you guys remember the story of the Tower of Babel? Remember that? Remember that Tower of Babel? What, what, what was humanity doing? They were trying to build a tower to heaven and they were trying to do it without God and they were all together. And so what does God do in the Tower of Babel? It's like over here in like Genesis. He, he comes down and he says, hey, that's not the way we're gonna do this. And he messes up their language and he, and he messes up and creates a bunch of tribes and a bunch of languages. But that's on this side, what does he do on this side of the cross? You come all the way through the cross and now God starts to unify people and he does it at the day of Pentecost where he takes people from every tribe, every nation, every known language that were in Jerusalem and on that day, they all speak the same language. It's a part of this beautiful mirrored structure that's in the Bible. This is the way that the whole scripture is created and formed. Now, I know some of y'all, I can see your brains falling out of your ears right now. You're like, what? Who knew? I had no idea. Well, now you know. Now you're gonna be excited about getting in your Bible tomorrow morning. It's gonna change your life, man. You're gonna see some incredible things. Now, all of that said, I gotta tell you something. The Sermon on the Mount that we've been in the last nine weeks, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it's also a chiasm. And guess what? Give yourself a hand because today you have arrived at X marks the spot. You're in the middle. You're at the pinnacle. You're at the heart of the whole message. I'm gonna read these verses to you and I want you to look for it. If you're ready, say I'm ready. All right, come on, somebody. Let's open it up. Matthew chapter six, verse 19. Let's read what Jesus says. He says this, do not... Lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in where? Treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves can't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your 
heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. 24, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and he will despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them all. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even King Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what in the world am I gonna wear? For the Gentiles, the Greeks, they seek after all of these things. And your heavenly father, he knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. For the people of the Lord, thanks be to the Lord. Amen? Amen. So did you find the chiasm in there? I had it underlined, but here's what I wanna point out as we go to this. We've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount several weeks in a row. And something about the Sermon on the Mount, and back to the whiteboard, is the Sermon on the Mount, theologians have actually pointed this out, is actually a, a mountain in its teaching. And so what Jesus does is he leads the people through his teaching up, literally up a mountain. And, and while he's teaching, he leads them up. He has a conversation with them at the pinnacle. And the reason he has this conversation is because he wants to lead them back down changed. And he wants to lead them back down to make a difference. And right here at the pinnacle, we'll be there in just a moment, is Matthew 22 and 23. We're gonna look at that in just a moment, okay? And we'll show it to you. But one of the things that I need us to get is, is that Jesus is getting us up to the top of the mountain and he's gonna change the way we see things. He's gonna talk about our eyes. And he says the way your eyes see things is gonna also be impacting of your heart. And so one of the things that we've been pointing out every single week, this has been on purpose and maybe now you'll, you'll see how purposeful it is, is we've been sharing that the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus said and what John was saying before Jesus, they were both talking about this word repentance. Everybody say repentance. Come on, one, two, three. And what repentance is, we've been saying simply, repentance is simply getting heaven's view on a matter. Repentance is seeing the way heaven sees. Because when we get heaven's view on a matter, we change and everything about our lives changes too. So before Jesus begins to preach this sermon, and he's gonna preach about everyday things, marriage and blessing and life and worry and anxiety, he's gonna talk about building your life and raising your kids, everyday practical things. He's gonna invite us in and say, listen, repent for the kingdom of God is here. 
Change the way you see things. Change the way you view things because the kingdom of God is here. And he is a king and he is bringing a new kingdom and he's doing it by people that are willing to say, I want heaven's view on the matter. And so one of the things that he does is he invites us, listen to me, he invites us to not come to the word and bring all of our cultural things and all of our feelings to it and make the word of God been to us in our culture in 2022 and what we're doing here in America. He instead invites all of us, what repentance looks like is we come to the word of God and we get under the word of God and we submit our lives to it. We submit our feelings to it. We submit our, our attitudes to it. We submit our sexuality to it. We submit our marriage, our family, our business, our kids, our school, all of it to it. And so over and over again, you and I have a choice. We can come to the word and we can try to read and make the word say what we want in our culture, or we can come to the word and we can get heaven's view on the matter and we can walk away and live a life-giving way of the kingdom. That's the invitation. And so one of the things that you're gonna start seeing is there's, there's this chiastic structure and right here at the top is this way of seeing. And right before he says it, one of the things he talks about is he says, hey, treasure. He's talking about our stuff. He said, you don't put treasure in heaven. I mean, put treasure in heaven, don't put treasure on earth. He talks about the eye. And then on the other side, he says, hey, you can't serve two masters. Right before he talked about treasure, just last week, he was talking about prayer. We were preaching about this, prayer. And in, in next week, uh, and right here, he's talking about prayer. We're gonna get to hear next week from Pastor Clayton King, and he's gonna take it a little bit further. But I just want you guys to see prayer, treasure, I, and then coming back around. Worry about your stuff, pray like this, and then it's gonna change the way you view everything. This is what's going on in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, some of y'all been in some places, and like, oh, you go to New Spring Church? Uh, that place is just, you know, that's simple stuff. That's just seeker stuff. That's just for baby Christians. That's the deep end. Welcome to the deep end, y'all. Put your goggles on and your snorkels and your flippers. We're going to the deep end. This has been in the Bible the whole time. And probably some of us, we've even read, read this the whole, our whole lives, never even seen it. How many of y'all, this is news to you today? Show of hands. News, you've never seen this, never seen this, never seen it. Yeah, three years ago, I, I didn't know this either. And uh, three years ago, let me remind us of where we were in life. Three years ago, we were just, or two and a half years ago, we were just getting really in the flow of COVID. Y'all remember those days? It was awesome, right? Remember that? They said, your kids are gonna come home. Mom, dad, you're gonna be your kids' school teachers at home. Remember those days? We're gonna, we're gonna my, my girls, they're, they're in dance class, right? They're in dance class. You know what the, the craziest thing ever was? We were gonna teach our girls dance, not there, but through Zoom. We had all these kids, all these girls dressed up in their like ballet outfits and there's kids everywhere. We're gonna teach them dance through Zoom. I'm like, what in the world, right? Uh, in, in the world, there was all kinds of political upheaval. There was all kinds of turmoil. Here at the church, we're, we're like, man, what in the world's gonna happen? What is, what's God gonna do? What are we gonna see at church? What are they gonna, people are talking about losing their jobs. Everything's changing. Are we gonna see a recession? Are we gonna see a downturn? Remember all that turmoil? Remember it? And I remember getting home from work one day, walking into my backyard and I'm sitting in my backyard and I'm wrestling with God and I'm having an honest conversation with him. I don't know if you guys have ever had one of these where I'm just like having it out with the Lord. And I'm talking to him and all of a sudden while I'm talking to him, this sparrow comes flying by 
and it jumps in this tree and it's just tweeting away, it's doing its thing. And then another one of his buddies over here, they're doing their thing, they're jumping into the grass. And, and this passage of scripture came flooding to my mind. And so I started doing a little bit of a deep dive on it. And that's when this, this truth got revealed that at the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, we're talking about anxiety and we're talking about life and we're talking about blessing and we're talking about marriage. And I had no idea that at the, at the, at the Sermon on the Mount Center, the X that marks the spot had everything to do with how we view everything. And so one of the things that I just wanna offer to you is that when you read the Sermon on the Mount, what we're not seeing is Jesus and his Twitter feed. Y'all know when you go to somebody's like Twitter feed, you're just seeing like their updates over the last three years and it might be principles and axioms and whatever they talk about, you know. What we're actually seeing is we're seeing a Twitter thread. We're seeing that Jesus is linking all of these things, all of this view, all of this to this one perspective and it all is right there at Matthew 6, 22 and 23. So I felt like, man, that's worth reading again. Let's read it again. So here's what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 22 and 23. He says that the eye is the lamp of the body. And so if your eye is healthy, the way you see is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So what Jesus is actually doing is he is, this is a statement about a, a Jewish idiom. It's something that they were, they were very commonly talking about in their day. And we still talk about it today. How many of y'all have ever said, um, yeah, she gave me the stank eye. Stank eye, all right, right. They give me the evil eye. Who, who knows how to give a good evil eye? Come on, mamas, y'all know how to do that? Stop pointing right there, I see what's going on. All right, uh, the stank eye, the evil eye, it's still something in this world today. How many of you guys are tuned into the new Lord of the Rings, uh, Rings of Power on Amazon Prime? Anybody watching that? Okay, my people, right? In the Lord of the Rings trilogy and in the Rings of Power, there is a bad guy, his name is Sauron. His emblem is what? The evil eye. This is something that goes throughout all cultures. And there is a view here that Jesus is tapping into right in the center of the Sermon on the Mount. How many of y'all were wondering if Jay-Z and Beyonce were a part of the Illuminati, you know? And they're talking about the eye, right? It's on our money, it's on our dollar bills. What's this eye all about? This eye is in a lot of cultures. And what Jesus is doing is he's actually saying, no, 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 no. There is a way of seeing things that is evil, but what God wants to do is he wants to give you a new way of viewing everything. And he's gonna start by teaching about the good eye. So let me teach you a, a little bit of Hebrew right here. I need everybody to say this word, A-Y-I-N. It's the word ayin, and it's how you say Hebrew, or I in Hebrew, ayin. One, two, three, ayin, ayin. Ooh, you guys are good. Y'all are fluent in here. All right, now let me tell you how to say the word good. The way you say the word good is Tova. Everybody say Tova. One, two, three. Ain Tova. Oh, somebody, I didn't, I didn't lead you well. That's my fault, Anderson. Ain Tova. One, two, three. Perfect. The way you say bad eye is Ain Raha. And you got to put a little emphasis on the end right there. Okay. So bad eye on three. Ain Raha. One, two, three. Oh, I heard the little growl in your voice. Okay, and so what we've got, if you're taking notes, you gotta write this down. This is such a big deal. Is first, I want you to write down that there is a good eye. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. That is the ayin tova. And then I want you to write down bad eye. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If in the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Ayin ra'ah. Now, 
this is what's at the center of the Sermon on the Mount. It is the main emphasis as Jesus takes the, the disciples that followed him there. And I want you to know this is such a big deal because here's the point, write this down. The way you and I see anything is the way you and I see everything. The way you and I see anything is the way you and I see everything. It's way more than being an optimist or a pessimist. It's way more than just having a positive attitude or just being a negative Ned all the time. I'm sorry, Ned, wherever you are, right? I feel bad for Karens these days. I'm sorry, Karen. I just need to put that out there. The, the, the world has been bad to you, Karen. I was talking to a guy the other day whose mother-in-law was Karen and um, he actually was having a sit down with his mother-in-law because she didn't know that the world is calling Karens Karens and found out and she felt like that there was a whole big like conspiracy that was about her. Anyway, Karens, I'm sorry that the world's doing this to y'all, but it's way more than just being a negative Ned or a, or a Karen, okay? I, I want you to know that the, the Bible talks about Jesus talks about that there is a way to see the world that trusts that God is working. And the way you and I see anything is the way you and I see everything. And even further behind this, that Jesus takes them up on the mountain to show them is this, that we've got to recognize, all right? The second point, you need to write this down. We've got to recognize this, that you cannot see the world the way God sees the world until you see you as God sees you. That's massive. All of this teaching was to get to that point right there. You and I cannot see the world the way God sees the world until we get to a place where we see ourselves the way God sees us. Because you and I, we're not gonna be able to hate ourselves enough to get to holiness. You're not gonna be ashamed enough of yourself to get to holiness. Instead, you're gonna have to be moved and wooed by the love of God towards holiness. You're gonna to have to be loved towards change. You and I are not gonna change because we think God's mad at us. If you've ever tried to change because you think God's mad at you, you might be able to like white knuckle it for a couple of days, but the reality is love is the catalyst of the universe and God loving you in Christ Jesus is the only way to, to reject and walk away from anything in your life that is not good. And it, and it begins out of this flow of, I've gotta see myself the way God sees me because then I'm gonna see the world the way God sees the world and I'm gonna operate the way God operates. The world is doing scarcity, but God's doing abundance, so I'm gonna do abundance. The world is doing judgment and vengeance and hatefulness, but God does forgiveness and grace and mercy. Okay, all of this is in the text. The world talks about blessing like this, acquire houses and cars and, and more bank accounts, but, but God talks about doing, doing blessings a completely different way. You need to put your investments in the treasures in heaven, things that are gonna last forever, things that moth and rust can't touch. And so what Jesus wants to do is he wants to lead us up on this mountain to give us a new perspective of ourselves because here we're gonna get a new perspective of the world and we're gonna come down the mountain and be able to make a difference in our communities as we operate with the ayin tovah, the good eye. We're gonna see the world the way God sees the world and that begins by seeing yourself the way God sees you. And that comes back to right here. How do you view you? Now, here's what I've gotta just point out. Okay, listen to me. This is not the way a lot of American church talks right now. Because one of the truths of the scripture is that you and I have sinned. And we, listen, sin is not just something we do. Sin is something we are from birth. 
Because ever since our first mom and daddy messed up, Adam and Eve, they've handed down in their DNA original sin. And so we've got a brokenness and we've got a sin debt that every single one of us has to deal with. That's why, mom and dads, you know this, that's why your kids hit and bite and they learn that nasty little word, mine, and no from the very beginning and nobody trained it in them because we're born into sin. And so we've got to come to the cross of Jesus. And the good news is we can bring our sin and brokenness to him. And there from the inside out, he changes us, gives us his heart. And we also, with his heart, we get God's view. God looks at us no longer and sees us in our sinfulness, but instead he sees us in Christ's righteousness. Somebody say, amen. That's good news. And so if you are a Christ follower here today, then your job is to come to church and be reminded of how God sees you. You blew it this week with your spouse. Come today and be reminded of how God sees you. You blew it today at work or last week, or, or maybe you blew it with your kids, or maybe kids, you blew it with mom and dad, you disrespected them, or maybe there's some things going on in your home or in your business or in your school. Come today and be reminded how Jesus Christ covers you if you're hidden in him. And the good news is, if you've never responded to Jesus, you've ne- you just thought Jesus was just a religion and this is all just you know, some kind of cultural thing. No, 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 come to Jesus because he will take away your sin. He will take away your debt of sin. He will take away the death that that acquired and he will give you his life. Come to the cross today and be changed. Now, this is the story throughout the entire Bible. One of the places that you see this, if you wanna go and look for it, go read this week in Genesis chapter four. The very first murder in the Bible is because one son had a good eye and one son had a bad eye. And the Bible actually says that Cain had a bad eye. It says that his, his eyes fell, his countenance fell because he saw what his brother was bringing and he didn't bring the same sacrifice to God. And so he didn't get mad at God. He actually got mad at his brother. And God comes to him and says, Cain, Your eyes have fallen, change your countenance, be careful because the devil is prowling, he's coming for you, but you must rule over him, Cain. God warns him, but Cain doesn't change his eyes. He doesn't come to God and get a good eye. Instead, he turns his angst and his anger and his jealousy and his spite towards his brother. He murders his brother and God comes to Cain and he says, I hear your brother's blood crying out from the ground. One of the reasons there's so much fighting and vitriol and division in the earth between people is because we've gotta get our eyes changed. We gotta get our perspective changed. We've gotta start recognizing that Christ has died. Be reminded of that yet again, so that we don't hurt people in our cities, in our communities, in our relationships. All of that comes from in the center of who we are. We've got the wrong view because we don't know how God loves us. We need to be reminded. We need to tell people. We've got to share. We've got to come again to the table here in just a moment and be reminded that Jesus died for you. He bled for you. He's forgiven you. And he offers you again, new life for this week for the next six days so that we can come together again in a week and we can be reminded through song and through preaching and through coming to the table that, that Christ, he's, he's enough, you're hidden in him, that, that we can be reminded throughout our entire lives because when you start doing this, look at me, look at me. When you start living this way in the earth, it changes the way your, your office operates. It changes the way your email operates. It changes the way your dating operates. It changes the way your home operates. And it all has to do with whether or not you and I have a good eye. So can I ask you a question? right here, right now on every campus, do you have God's view on you right now? Like, 
do you, have you been reminded of how God sees you? And I'm not talking about just moralistic therapeutic deism. I'm talking about in Christ, he sees you as perfect. He sees you as forgiven. He sees you as holy. He sees you as new. Let his love remind you of that today so that you can go and be the change in your cities, in your relationships, in your homes. Come today to the cross and, and lay your sin down. If you've never given your sin to Jesus, today's the day. Today's the day. Come and be reminded so that we can go and make a difference, so that we can again go out and share this good news with the world. Can I invite all of us on our campus today on our feet? And we're gonna get ready for a time of response. But I was telling you guys about that story in my backyard. And maybe some of you even connected this. I actually talked to some folks in the first service that were like, hey, you were talking about that, that, that sparrow in your backyard and it, it clicked a song in my mind. There's a beautiful old song. It's a 120 year old hymn called His Eye is on the Sparrow. And I wanna just put it in front of us today as a reminder of how God views you. Cause I think these lyrics get right at the heart of it. Here's what it says. It says, why should I feel discouraged, anxious? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and I long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free for his eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. You see, Jesus met the people right there in the Sermon on the Mount and he reminded them, look up, God loves you. And that sparrow that you see, worry-free, singing its song, living life, it wasn't made in the image of God. You were, you were. He loves you. He's got plans for your life. He's got plans for your eternity. And today, come and lay down the anxiety. Maybe today you need to go to the prayer areas in the room and you need to lay down some prayer requests. Maybe something that's been keeping you up at night, something you've been wringing your hands over, that, that thing at work, that thing with your kids, that thing in your home. Do you guys know we've had over 4,000 prayer requests throughout this series laid down at these prayer tables and God has been answering them? Maybe today it's your turn to lay down a prayer. Say, God, I don't wanna worry. I wanna lay that down. I wanna trust you with it. Come today to the communion table. And as that, that ministry time happens, be reminded that you and Christ are forgiven. Come today and sing. Maybe you don't sing. Maybe today's the day you open your mouth and you sing like a sparrow, right? It doesn't have to be on tune. Matter of fact, it's probably not going to be, but it's going to be authentic and real. Sing today. Sing today and stir the faith up in the row in front of you or maybe your kids that are listening or your spouse beside you. Let's respond to the gospel today because he loves us in Christ. And it's gonna change the way you view the whole world because whatever you see, right, you're gonna find it in the earth. Whatever you're looking for, you will find. And God wants to change your view. God wants to change our world and he starts by changing our eyes. So let me pray for us and then we'll respond. Ministry teams, why don't you come as I pray and uh, then every one of us will get a chance to come and be encouraged here in the next few moments as we sing. Father God, thank you today. Thank you for the Sermon on the Mount. Thank you that at the center of this thing is this beautiful reminder that you wanna change our eyes. And the way you do this, you supernaturally change us by 
by, rem by reminding us or revealing to us of how we're viewed in Christ. And so God, for the person that's been a Christ follower for 35 years, would you give them a fresh revelation of who they are in Jesus? Maybe they've taken communion hundreds of times. Would today, would it be like it was brand new, that they've been forgiven and made new in Christ? Lord, I pray for the man or woman who's never responded to the gospel, that even this morning, they would come today and they would come to the cross in their auditorium and they would, they would come to Jesus and be made new. Lord, for the for the weight that we all carried in here today from life, from relationship, from work, from anxiety, from what's going on in the earth. Lord, would you, would you allow us to come to prayer today and lay some of those things down and walk out of here singing like that sparrow, light and easy, because we know our Father in heaven has it all under control. We thank you, God, that your eyes on the sparrow and Lord, we know your eyes on us. So thank you, Father, we respond now as you affirm this in our hearts. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Would you come now? Thanks for listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. Make sure to visit our website at newspring.cc for more content, including videos, articles, and devotionals to help you have an everyday relationship with Jesus. Or plan a visit to one of our campuses across the state of South Carolina.